So today is going to be a little bit of a different format than what I've previously done. I wanted to answer some of your questions that you guys had directly. So I asked you guys to send me those and I got a lot of, uh, a lot of questions that I want to dive into today. And what I find interesting is that a lot of these questions connect to one another. It seems as if a lot of people are going through very similar things in life right now and are interested in very similar topics, especially in this Soul Tribe group. And uh, I have a basic outline of what I'd like to follow, of putting the questions in kind of a sequential order. So what I'm going to do today is simply read some of those questions and then do my best to answer those and give you, you know, my insights and just wisdoms and teachings that I've learned from myself and, and from things that I've learned from elsewhere as well. So today's first question states, I would like you to dive into navigating pushback and judgment you get from your friends and family as you explain your food and healing journey. My friends and family are very loving, but whenever I explain something, i.e. high fruit, no meat, raw, etc., I get so much pushback like, oh, I have to have meat or that's way too much sugar. I'm able to separate it as if they're living in a lower level of consciousness. And I've been on this path for, path for a few years now, but sometimes it could be really hard. I feel like the black sheep and even second guess myself sometimes before bouncing back and being like, no, this is truth. Again, so happy to be on this journey, but navigating it can be hard sometimes. So I feel you, you know, it's, uh, it's very interesting to being the black sheep of the family because we seem so strange to their perspective, but from our perspective, we seem so normal. And it can be hard to communicate to certain people the choices that you're making in your life regarding your health or regarding your just basic life choices. But what I find to be super important on this healing journey and this journey of expansion of consciousness is it's really important. Let me rephrase that. What I've ultimately discovered on this on this healing journey and this in this journey of the expansion of all of our consciousness is that you can't speak butterfly language to caterpillar people. Now, what I mean by that is you are speaking at a certain level and you are operating at a certain level and a lot of people that aren't at that level are not going to agree with it and you're going to get a lot of pushback from it mainly because it goes so against what they have been programmed to believe. But it's not your duty to necessarily convince them if they are available and open to those kinds of conversations, feel free to help them and support them in any way. But if you're trying to speak about your life choices or your health choices and they're not getting it, it's really important that you actually don't speak to them about those types of things. If you are speaking to people about things and they are not listening to you, stop speaking to them. Because if you continue speaking to them, it can be a soul crushing experience for you and it's a waste of your energy. And not only that, there's, there's just simply no point in speaking to people that aren't listening to you and don't heed your advice or your support. I've gone through this myself where I had a bunch of old California friends and in me speaking my truth and what I believe and my health choices or my lifestyle choices, oftentimes there wasn't a listening within them to really receive what I was sharing. And no matter how hard I tried to communicate to them or to teach them or to support them on their own journeys, they weren't able to receive me. And when you try to do that over and over and over again, and they're not receiving you and they're not listening to you, it literally is a soul crushing experience. It's very detrimental to your own psyche if you were trying to communicate to people and they're not listening to you. So my advice for that is to stop speaking to them about those types of topics. I have this even with my own blood family where there are just certain topics that I can't speak to them about because I know that they can't meet me at the level that I am at with those particular topics. And so I just simply choose not to speak with them about those things because, you know, it's like, what's that one comment? You can't make a pig sing. You're going <laughs> to, it's impossible and you're going to frustrate the pig. Something along those lines. So I think what we also have to realize is that most people are programmed. Most people are bots. Most people aren't 
living their true authentic selves. They have just allowed society, their upbringing, their childhood, and the programming that they're receiving from social media or TV to most people are bots, right? So they're not actually their own fullest self-expression. They're just mockingbirds effectively. They're just parroting what they are told to believe. So most of their beliefs, most of their opinions are not coming from them. They're coming from society. They're coming from social media. They're coming from the television. And so it's really important for you to realize that and that when they try to speak to you about that you need to get your protein or then they speak to you about, oh, the fruit diet is too much sugar. That's not them truly stating that to you. That's society and all the money and all the programming and all the advertisements that have gotten them to believe those types of things. And then they're just simply parroting those agendas. And so in a sense, you can forgive them for that because they're not even aware that they've been programmed. They're not even aware that they're bots. They're not even aware that they're not truly thinking for themselves. They're not aware that the way in which that they're thinking is simply how society is telling them to think. And so when people are just simply parroting society's narrative and the narrative from the media or the narrative from the television, it's, it's just important to highlight that so that you know that anytime you hear that narrative repeated, you can just, you know, take it with a grain of salt because it's not them. It's just the agendas that are on the planet pushing certain things like the animal industry or the dairy industry or the, the meat industry. So realizing that these people are simply programmed and they're not actually the fullest expression of self, you can kind of interact with them with a little bit more compassion and a little bit less judgment because, um, you know, in a sense, they don't even know any better. They, they, they don't know that they're programmed. They don't know that their opinions are not theirs. Their opinions are bestowed upon them by their, by their masters in a way. So interacting with them with some kindness and some compassion uh, for the ignorance with which they live under. Okay, so the next question. I'm interested in learning about the science behind why we do not need as much protein as other doctors have said. Also, what supplements may be important for a vegan, like how do you make sure that you get all the omega-3, 6, 9s, and vitamin B12, etc. Thank you. I think it's important for us to realize that anytime that society is telling us to go in a certain direction, that is a huge red flag to question if that direction is the direction that we should be going down. And what is very evident is this narrative that you need protein. And I mean, I was even watching YouTube the other day and I saw someone have like a three minute video on the, you know, these three morning, you know, breakfast things. And she was, she was saying how she had this like protein filled vanilla ice cream. And she was like, and if you really want to top it up, then you could put this protein whipped cream on it. And then as a cherry on top, you can put this protein peanut butter powder and just mix that in there. And I was just thinking to myself like, my Lord, there is such a narrative that we need all this protein and it's massively pushed. And whether that's protein from animal products or whether that's protein from um, protein shakes and workout supplements. And even in the gym that I go to, you know, I look at these posters and there's, you know, someone that's working out and they just created this thing and this, this shake and they're marketing this like blueberry protein shake. And, Everything is protein, 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 you know? And so when we, when we see these patterns playing out in society where there is a repetition of a particular topic, that is a huge red flag to question what that initiative is and what that agenda is. So it's very clear that there is a massive push to, you know, encouraging people to eat all this protein. And what I've often found in my, you know, years of studying society and, and tyranny and, and how governments can take control and how governments can, can sorry, and how governments can take control of the people and create tyranny and create, you know, um, basically control and power over its citizens. They blast people with a certain type of propaganda and they do it by repeating it over and over and over again to where the lie eventually becomes the truth. And so anytime that we see this in society, it's really important that we question it. So 
it's it's very clear that there's a push towards the protein and push towards you know having people be so concerned about protein and then there's simultaneously another push that tells people that sugar is really bad for them and they have somehow convinced them that the sugar and fruit is also very bad for you i don't know if you, you have seen this or maybe not seen this but when's the last time that you've seen some sort of commercial or some sort of uh, narrative being pushed that fruit is really healthy for you that's not the narrative that's being pushed in fact most of the narrative is that fruit is not good for you and that fruit has too much sugar so you can only eat a little bit of it uh, but you got to get your protein right and so it's funny for us to realize how backwards society is but you know the protein that they're trying to shove down our throats is actually not healthy for us, especially at the massive quantities that they are recommending that we eat it. And the lack of fruit intake in the global society is at an extreme detriment to all of our healths because fruit has the most prana out of any food in the entire world. And it has the most life force energy out of any food in the entire world mainly because it's raw but also because it doesn't have any mucus in it and it's like it's the thing that connects you most to god and so when you eat a high fruit diet you inherently are up leveling your level of consciousness and connecting more with the divine on a daily basis but when you're eating protein and when you're eating carbs and when you're eating you know normal foods and when you eat your steak and eggs in the morning or pancakes or bread or you know whatever or sandwiches and all this meat it is dumbing you down actually it is decreasing your vibration it is lowering your levels of consciousness or at least severing your connection with the divine severing your connection with god and that is ultimately the agenda at at play here the agenda that is pushing the protein the agenda that is pushing the non-fruits is the same agenda as trying to decrease your level of consciousness and to sever your connection with God. It's the same thing. And so we have to realize that and realize that there are forces at play in this universe and on this planet that, are, that, that don't want us connecting with the divine, that don't want us connecting with God, that don't want us to raise our level of consciousness because as soon as we do that, we become more powerful than them and they know how powerful we are. And what I mean by they is the people that are in power, the people that are the politicians, the CEOs of the you know multinational corporations like Coca-Cola and Monsanto and oil companies and all these all these uh, you know leaders of industry, if if you will. Um, the people that are in power don't want the people, the citizens, to become. The people that are in power do not want the citizens to become powerful and realize how powerful they truly are because as soon as the citizens realize how powerful they truly are, the people in power will no longer be in power. And so the agenda is ultimately to keep us dumbed down, to keep us um, disconnected with the divine and to keep us at a lower level of consciousness because when we expand our consciousness, we crumble the entire matrix structure and the entire power structure that this planet operates on <coughs> and that they have created for this planet. It's really important for us to realize that and come to terms with that, that the, the protein push and the lack of, er, and the too much sugar push is, um, is simply forces at play that don't want you connected with God and don't want you to raise your level of consciousness because when that happens on a global scale, you know, a revolution takes place. And that's ultimately what's happening right now is that revolution which is taking place. Now, as for the raw diet and as for getting all of your supplements and minerals and things like that, on a fruit diet, it, it is really important to use certain supplements that you might not be getting from the fruit, um, depending on where you're living and depending how you are doing your fruit you know, diet. Now, some of those type of supplements are baobab powder, shizandra berry, you know, like good supplements that we can get, that we can add onto the fruit diet, but also like humic fulvic acid minerals. And, and that's, you know, one of the main things that we can incorporate into the fruit diet to make sure that we are getting the nutrients and the minerals that we need. Um, oftentimes because the fruit that we are getting in the shops and in the stores 
sometimes are grown in depleted soils and or sometimes are a GMO, which don't have the nutrients that you truly need. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love living in Bali and even in Thailand as well. Um, the fruits in this part of the world, they're grown on very rich soils. So when you eat dragon fruit, for example, it has the minerals within the dragon fruit. But if you go to the States, for example, and you try to get a dragon fruit, like it's going to be a very um, non-nutritional dragon fruit traditionally, just as an example, because of, you know, either where it was grown or the amount of time it took to go from the actual harvest to, to your mouth. So yes, to go back onto the vitamins and the supplements and the minerals that we can get on the fruit diet, um, what we can also understand, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the documentary Seaspiracy, but it's a really good documentary. And one of the things that they said is, you know, in the supplements of fish oils, you know, there's, there's a massive marketing push to consume all the fish oils because you need to get your omega-3s and your omega-6s and your omega-9s. But the reality of the situation is the only reason why those fish have those supplements within them is because the fish are eating the algae. So instead of you taking supplements of fish oil, so instead of you taking supplements of the fish oil, you can instead cut out the middleman, which is the fish, and just take supplements of the algae that they're eating and get the same, you know, nutrients and supplements. So it's really important that we are, I think, overall questioning a lot of the narratives that are out there because uh, most everything that is being pushed right now is wrong and most everything needs to be questioned in order for the truth to truly come out given there are so many agendas at play and given there are so many people that are pushing uh, certain agendas in order to capitalize on those. So on to the next question. If you had any long dry fast, like 24 hours and your experience with it, um, I had a little bad first experience. I just began some intermittent fasting about 14 hours for a few days. I eat only fruit in the morning. I can easily go 16 hours, but then I don't have enough time to eat and I am too thin and lost some weight again lately. And I felt like doing a 24 hour dry fast. I felt good during it, but when I broke my fast and some nectarines with some nectarines and apricots, my belly was hurting. Then 20 minutes later, I drank clay with water as I thought it would help with my belly ache and toxins being released. Then half an hour later, I vomited all of it, the fruits and the clay. When we start, either a more plant-based diet or more of a raw diet, staying away from the animal products, the dairy, the gluten, and start transferring our diet over to the fruit diet or the vegan diet. Oftentimes what will happen initially is malabsorption. Your body is not used to eating fruit or raw. And so as soon as you switch your diet towards that, you know, it's very common to lose weight. It's very common to become thin. It's very common to look depleted because your body is not yet accustomed to absorbing the nutrients from the raw food, the vegan food or the fruit food. Just know that if you are converting from a meat diet and a mucus forming diet to a mucus lean or mucus free diet and going towards the, the raw food, the fruit or the vegan food, the most common thing that comes up is malnutrition, basically of a lack of absorption of the nutrients that you are eating. And that's simply because your body has not grown accustomed to learning how to deal with the new types of food that you're feeding it. I know when I first came to Bali in 2017, all that was here was pretty much vegan food. And so I just very abruptly started to eat vegan and started to explore a little bit of fruit, but I actually didn't fully dive into that until late 2018. Um, and so when I started to eat a full vegan diet, I became extremely malnourished and I didn't know it at the time, but when I look back on photos of myself, I am like stringy. I, I have like hardly any muscle. I am like the skinniest little twig ever. And I look back on that and I barely even recognize myself because of how skinny and scrawny and thin I looked. I this big head and this just like skinny little body and what that was was my body not receiving the nutrients it was it was um what that was was my body not learning how to deal with the nutrients that i was feeding it the new nutrients that i was feeding it and so anytime that we're converting our diet from the old way of living to 
a vegan or a raw or a fruit diet, the transition is gonna take place and your body is not gonna initially know how to absorb all those nutrients, but in time, it will figure it out. You don't even need to try to do anything. In time, your body will learn how to get the nutrients from the plant-based food or from the fruits uh, than the animal products or the gluten or the bread and, and the uh, mucus-forming foods. So just give your body time, give your body spaciousness and be patient and learn that um it will and realize that uh if you're losing you know weight or if you are not if you feel like you're not getting the nutrients that you need it's simply because your body is going through a massive transition and just keep at it and your body will acclimize acclimize your body will become accustomed to the new diet and will sort itself out on its own now as for dry fasting and intermittent fasting I have had experience dry fasting and intermittent fasting. I am just about to start practicing it a lot more. Intermittent fasting is where you don't eat for 16 hours of the day and you eat for the remaining eight hours, at least in an eight hour window. Um, so intermittent fasting is basically, depending on which meal you wanna skip, you are eating in the morning and at lunch, and then you pretty much skip dinner, go to bed somewhat hungry, and then you're fasting basically after lunch all the way to dinner and then beyond, you know, you're fasting throughout when you sleep and then when you wake up, you eat again. That's been the easiest part for, that's been the easiest eating schedule for me when I've been intermittent fasting or dry fasting is eating a good meal in the morning, eating a good meal for lunch and then skipping dinner, going to bed a little bit hungry and then um, fasting throughout that entire time and then in the morning waking up and eating again. Now, dry fasting is a little different in that it's, it can be above a 16 hour fast and then less than an eight hour eating window. But during that 16 hour fast, you're not drinking or eating anything. An intermittent fast, sometimes people will drink water, sometimes people will have tea or something along those lines, coconut water. With dry fasting, it's literally zero intake of anything. And dry fasting is actually one of the most beneficial things that you can do on your healing journey to heal yourself and to allow your body to replenish itself and to repair what it needs to repair. When we're eating constantly and when we're constantly drinking water or, or eating in general, we are running our battery 24 seven, 365 for years on end. And it's only when we practice dry fasting where we stop all consumption of anything and everything and allow our body to stop digesting, that's the period with which our, our bodies can repair themselves. So when you're constantly feeding your body food, when you're constantly feeding your body, you know, water or whatever, you are basically running your digestive system. Your, your body needs a lot of energy to digest what you're feeding it. And it expenses that energy on absorbing the food and decomposing the food and, and breaking down the food as opposed to repairing yourself. So if you're giving your, your body so much food, it doesn't have any time to repair itself because it's focusing so much on digesting the food, your body literally has no time left over to repair itself because it's focused on digesting all this food. And it's the same thing with water. When you are drinking a lot of water, your kidneys are basically, you're overworking your kidneys. Your kidneys are spending so much time filtering that water that it's not actually filtering toxins from your body because you're drinking so much quantity of water that that your your kidneys don't have the space or the time or the the energy to do anything other than dealing with that water. Whereas when you can dry fast and practice dry fasting and literally pretty much stop all consumption of water, your kidneys now have the space and the possibility of detoxing and flushing out toxins from your body because we all have toxins within our body from the buildup of you know just poor diet or partying or you know the way that we were raised and all the food that we've ever eaten there is toxicity buildup and this just happens through diet this happens through environment this happens through the chemicals that are everywhere nowadays and so if we are not detoxifying and we are not allowing our kidneys the space to detoxify and our liver the space to detoxify because we're giving it so much water 
all that toxicity is just building up within your system. So it's really important that when we are intermittent fasting, but specifically dry fasting, that we're not taking in all that water because we need our kidneys to have the space to flush out the toxicity that's within our bodies. And, and, and yeah, there's also another narrative, as I was saying before, about, about drinking your water, you know? So I, it's, it's, it's like, it's, hmm, how do I say this? It's nails against the chalkboard for me to see some sort of coach to recommend or to suggest that as soon as you wake up, you should be drinking eight ounces of water. It's like, that is so 1990 practice, which isn't true health. It like, it's painful to watch people say, oh, get up and drink a bunch of water and then get your protein. And it's like, how indoctrinated could you be? How programmed could you be? Like, you are not even thinking for yourself. That is just, that is just narratives that are out there that you're just parroting, recommending to your clients, not getting them actually healthy and, and helping them. Ever since I started drink, eating fruit, ever since I started eating fruit, I pretty much don't drink water. Like I may, I'll have some tea. That's the only water I'm consuming. The rest is the, the hydration that I'm getting is from the fruit because there's so much hydration in fruit. There's so much nourishment in fruit, whether it's dragon fruit, papaya, watermelon, you know, it's like, you don't need to drink water. Like it's, it's bad for you, in, in fact. But when you're getting your hydration from fruit, you don't need to drink any water because you're getting all of that from your fruit. And I think that's one of the biggest narratives that's out there is, is not just waking up and drinking water, but drinking water throughout the day because you have to hydrate. It's like you have no idea how hydrating fruit is. And if everyone stopped hydrating with water and started, started hydrating with fruit, this world would be a lot, a lot healthier. Um, and then to lastly comment on your experience, this question, to lastly comment on the experience of eating nectarines and apricots and then your belly was hurting and then 20 minutes later you drank some clay. Uh, I'm assuming you're referring to bentonite clay and, and psyllium husk and you know uh, activated charcoal, which is the main concoction during the detox path. So when we have a dry fast, and we haven't eaten anything or an intermittent fast where we've had some coconut water or water and we we eat a fruit like apricots or nectarines as you said and we get our belly hurting it's really common for that to happen it, it, you know in a sense we call it like a healing crisis or a uh, like for me after a dry fast i'll eat watermelon and when i eat watermelon sometimes it will really upset my stomach and what we need to learn here is that that is actually a beneficial thing because you're going through a little bit of a healing crisis and you, you have watermelon belly or dragon fruit belly, you know, whatever fruit you wanna eat after your dry fast, oftentimes it can give us a stomach ache. And that's a sign that tells us that that fruit is actually helping you and stripping away what needs to be stripped away in order for you know you to reach your next level so what you'll learn as well is that if you do that over and over and over again you will you know you find a fruit that actually upsets your belly after a dry fast keep eating that fruit i know it's somewhat counterintuitive but when you keep eating that fruit after a dry fast and you do it over and over and over again that fruit will eventually stop hurting and and it will feel really good so for me for the first year of breaking my fast with watermelon it would hurt it would give me a bellyache after every single time i would i would eat it but that was just a sign to me that the watermelon was doing what it needed to do to pull the toxins out of my body and while that was happening it was really you know it gave me a, a, a bellyache i would call it a watermelon belly but when you continue practicing that and doing it over and over and over again you will eventually, your body will eventually stop hurting because the watermelon will have done its magic on you. And then you can move on to the next fruit and <laughs> try to find the next one that gives you a you know, watermelon belly or dragon fruit belly. Again, I know it's counterintuitive, but it, but it is true. Watermelon nowadays, after a year of it giving me watermelon belly, after eating it with dry fast, it no longer gives me watermelon belly at all. I could eat it after a dry fast and it's like, it's good. It's good to go. So 
what that pain is in the belly is the watermelon coming in and stripping away what needs to be stripped away, getting rid of all the toxins. And during that process of that happening, it can upset your stomach, but it's a, it's a normal occurrence. Now, what I do want to warn is when we're breaking our dry fast, it's really important that we're, that we're using mono fruits. So we're not combining fruits because there's a lot of fruits that are, that are, that shouldn't be mixed together. Uh, there are some fruit concoctions that you can mix together like in smoothie bowls and such, but if you're, if you're for example, like trying to mix watermelon with pretty much anything, don't do that. It's, it, that's specifically gonna cause you um, a, you know, give you, give you a stomach ache in a way. So if you're mixing apricots and nectarines together, I would not mix those together and try that again. Do a dry fast and if you're gonna eat apricots, just eat the apricots or the next day breaking your dry fast, just break it on nectarines, but don't mix the two because that's another reason why your stomach might be hurting is you're mixing fruits that shouldn't be mixed and thus causing you pain that is unnecessary. Now, if you're doing the mono fruit diet and you are uh, experiencing pain, that's just simply a little bit of a healing crisis. And I encourage you to keep going on that one particular fruit because it's actually serving you. But if you are um, mixing fruits together and that's causing you uh, a belly ache, that's actually just not good to be mixing those two fruits together. Now, regarding bentonite clay and, and psyllium husk and activated charcoal, when you take that on top of fruit, I just simply wouldn't recommend that, especially first thing in the morning, because that's really specifically for like an extreme detox. And that's mainly meant to take just before bed. Doing that in the morning, I've never done, but I'm not surprised that your belly and your, your body threw that up after you ate that in the morning. I would just recommend doing that late at night. And if you have watermelon belly, or if you have apricot belly or nectarine belly, just be present with that. You know, you can stretch, you can lie on the rug in certain ways and, and um, allow your body to digest it. Sometimes I'll lay upside down. Sometimes I'll kind of lay in like downward dog position you know, where my chest is pointed down and my kind of butt is hanging up in the air. Sometimes that, that position helps actually with watermelon belly and things similar. So the next question, my boyfriend is always looking for ways to raise his testosterone and get into the divine masculine. There's so much shame around men and their feelings slash desires. It would be nice to learn how men can heal their conditioned patterns around their emotions, how they see women, how they see themselves, just how to step into their power. This is a topic that is super alive for me because this is the main topic that I coach people on. This is the main topic that I am focused on is helping people activate their inner power, helping people activate their inner wisdom. Uh, I do this with working through with men. I do this with working with men through encouraging them to step into their power, step into their divine masculine and, and you know, balance their T levels, their testosterone levels. And with women, you know, helping them get into their divine feminine and helping them with their estrogen levels and, and balancing that out. So let's stick with the men given the, the question was more about men and, and testosterone i think it's really important for us to realize the difference between divine masculinity and toxic masculinity now toxic masculinity i don't really like the term because it's it's kind of ill-defined but what is what is the divine masculinity like that is truly healthy for men to be in men being egotistical or materialistic or treating women like crap, that to me is toxic masculinity and that's not a man, that's a boy. Now, there's so many things that we can do as men to raise our testosterone as well as, as well as align ourselves with our divine masculinity, but it takes commitment and it takes doing things that we've never done before. And so many men in the world right now are just simply lost. They're, they don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what their mission is. And thus they are acting a little bit more feminine and, and not actualizing their true inner power within, their, their, their humble warrior within. 
Now, it's obviously okay to be feminine, and in fact, the divine masculine, when that's activated within a man, that man is very in touch with his feelings, that man is very in touch with his emotions, that man is relatively sensitive, he's vulnerable, he's able to cry, he's able to open up, he's able to express himself, he's able to, to um, you know, feel his feelings. He's not someone who's running away, he's not someone who's trying to numb out on on vices, alcohol, drugs, whatever. And he's not someone who's just walking around lost aimlessly. And so the divine masculine, I think, needs to be defined much better in today's society because this whole narrative of toxic masculinity is, is ill-defined and is, you know, many people are just trying to castrate men and trying to take power away from men because they think that men are just, you know, tyrannical and in our, you know, solidifying the patriarchy and it's like no what's solidifying the quote-unquote patriarchy and in you know creating tyrannical power is egotistical materialistic psychopaths that are running the world you know it's like that's toxic masculinity what's toxic masculinity is women trying to act like men and to work like men and trying to get careers like men it's like that's toxic masculinity what is divine masculinity is is allowing our fullest expression of self, our, the humble warrior that lies within, to actualize himself. And that requires a man being on his mission, that requires a man having purpose, that requires a man who is waking up every day to, to actualize something, to manifest something, you know? It's like we are all aiming creatures right? Men and women are, but men in particular, you know, we are the hunters. We are the ones that go out and we get the target and we bring it back to feed the family and feed the women. And men in particular need something that they are hunting. We, we, we need a direction. If men don't have a direction, if we don't have a purpose, if we don't have a mission, if we don't know what that is, if we're confused about that, we walk around aimlessly and we walk around without any power. We walk around, you know, just lost. And in that lost nature, in men being lost, our sexual energy is all over the place, you know, because we're lost and so we're looking for salvation outside of ourselves. We try to find it in hooking up with women. We try to find it in, in you know, just drugs, alcohol. And so it's really important for men to have a directional focus and have a mission and a vision for going forward because if we don't have that, you know, all hell breaks loose in, within our own lives, but also in the community and the tribes within us. And men for the longest time have have needed to feel a part of a community and to, to protect the space of that community. And there's so much in the world right now that are trying to castrate men and trying to, you know, almost, almost communicate to men that they're not important to the community or they're not important to the earth. And so we need to take their power away and we need to take their jobs away and take, you know, everything from them. And that's the reason why most men feel lost today. And, and it's really hard for men to, to really be in their power nowadays because there's so many forces at play that are trying to strip them of their power and trying to tell them that they're bad for being men and trying to communicate to them that their divine masculinity within is wrong. And it's not, it's extremely healthy and it creates the space and protects the space for the divine feminine to thrive. And when we don't have the divine masculinity protecting the space for the divine feminine to thrive, all hell breaks loose because then the women are not protected, then their divine masculine, sorry, their divine femininity cannot come forth and, and really blossom and flourish. And then we don't have the society that's being protected. And so it can be infiltrated by, you know, malevolent forces. So it's super important for men to be in touch, in tune with their divine masculinity and allow that to come forth from the state of the humble warrior, not from the egotistical, materialistic, you know, energy of me, 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 and, you know, focusing on money or success or this or that. It's like, that is so prehistoric. It's like what men are here to do is so much more than make money, than be successful. It's like, we have such a stronger, and more significant purpose on this planet than to do those 
materialistic things. And most men have lost sight of that. Most men have forgotten what it means to be a man and to be the leader of a tribe and to protect the space of the tribe. And in that lack of remembrance, in that amnesia, we see where the world is today, you know? So there are many things that men can do to increase their testosterone and to actualize their divine masculinity. Some of those things are practicing semen retention. So instead of having your sexual energy going out and trying to hunt or trying to get laid or trying to hook up with chicks, but instead bringing that sexual energy within, stop allowing that energy to be outward energy and start internalizing that energy. And one way that we can just directly do that is semen retention. So stop ejaculating, practice non-ejaculation. You can still masturbate, but just practice not ejaculating at the end because masturbation is very different than ejaculation. You can still have pleasure without ejaculating and whether that's with yourself through masturbation or whether that's through a partner and with a partner, but you don't need to ejaculate. And when you start to practice semen retention, you are inherently harnessing that sexual energy life force within. And in turn, you can use that sexual life force with your relationships. You can, you can use it as a manifesting power. You can use it to build muscle. It's like that is such a potent life force energy that we as men have. And when we are dishing that out, we become weaker. We become not in our divine masculinity. We become um, castrated in a way, metaphorically that is. So, let's see. The next question is, can you touch on the fear of being seen? Something that can come up when wanting to become more visible online. I would love to hear you talking about this. I would love to hear you talking about this. And if this was and is coming up for you too. So this topic is super important to me because, uh, you know, I lived 29 years of my life not speaking what I believe to be true and hiding that from the world and being extremely resistant to show up on social media and being extremely resistant to sharing with people what I believe to be true because I always had this inclination that my thoughts were, you know, quote unquote out there and my beliefs were quote unquote out there from the way in which the society is going. And I felt like if I ever spoke my truth and if I ever told people what I truly believe that I would be exiled from the community. And what's so funny is that yes, I was when I started practicing that and I started showing up on social media and I started to speak my authentic truth and to, and to share with people the wisdoms and the teachings that I have been learning. Uh, a lot of that goes against what most of society is, is um, indoctrinated to believe. And so, yes, I was exiled from the previous community that I previously lived in back in California. But then at the same time, I ultimately found my new community of like-minded people, like people in this Facebook group. So what I discovered is, and, and, and for me, this has just been an overall fascinating topic because it has been such a journey and it's been so fascinating for me to watch me being relatively silent for a very, very, very long time and then all of a sudden starting to speak up what I believe to be true and just watching what happens. You know, it's fascinating when you start speaking your truth and you start seeing friends just go away, you realize that those people were never your friends. You realize that that relationship that you thought you had with them is in a quality relationship and isn't in support of you and what you're here to do on this planet. And so it's really important that we allow especially when we start speaking our truth and when we start communicating to people what we truly believe, when we start showing up on social media, despite how scared we are, you know, our smaller selves are scared of that experience. It's really important that we allow people to leave our lives. And it's really important that we allow new people to come into our lives because as soon as you start speaking your truth, as soon as you start showing up on social media and communicating to the world what you believe to be true, 
there are friends that you're gonna that you previously had that are going to leave your life and you're gonna realize that they weren't ultimately your friends to begin with and but you're also gonna have a ton of people that are that come into your life and you're gonna create beautiful relationships with those new people so to me this is a super fascinating topic and I'm still in the midst of you know seeing where this all goes and how this all plays out I don't know what the ultimate end game is but I still find it fascinating the more and more that I speak what I believe to be true into the world and on things like YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, it's just been a fascinating process. And I think what, what we all experience when we first start doing that is a ton of pushback. We get a ton of pushback from bots. We get a ton of pushback by the agent Smiths that are trying to keep the matrix alive. And oftentimes what we'll find is when we start speaking our truth and when we start you know, communicating on social media what we believe to be true, the first thing that's gonna happen most likely is you're gonna get pushed back by those bots, by those Agent Smiths. They're gonna tell you to shut up, they're gonna tell you to, you know, stop talking because yada, yada, yada. Ultimately, you are communicating things oftentimes that are deconstructing the matrix that's been created and deconstructing the, the society that's been created. And when you start challenging that, there are people that really don't like that because they are willing to fight to the death to keep that matrix alive. And I have seen people that I used to think were good people and were nice people come at me like aggressively and like mean and like an asshole. And I even called them out on that. I was like, dude, I thought you were a nice person, but like you're a terrible person. Like you're a mean person. And it's just been a fascinating experience like listening to that and watching that because uh, you start to see the true colors within people. You start to see, you know, what people are actually like, especially when you start poking at the matrix and at the world that they think they live in. You know, when you start to try to crumble the illusions that they are under, people will fight to the death to keep those illusions alive. And that's how you know that, so you know what is truth and what is not. When you start speaking something and then it upsets someone and they get all fired up and angry and, and you know, they try to resist that, it's like that's how you know who's living in truth and who's living in illusion. Because if you tell me something that challenges my perspectives and I respond like, oh cool, wow, that's an interesting, that's an interesting way to look at things. You know, that's a normal type of relationship. But if you say something to me and I respond to you with anger and I respond to you with resistance and I go, no, F you, you know, it's like, you know that I'm living under the illusion because you are simply challenging the paradigm with which I'm living under. And I'm somehow resistant to receiving that so much so that I'm going to fight you and try to tell you to shut up and, and, you know, cancel you from speaking. It's like, that's how we know who's living under illusion and who's, who's living in the real world. So I just find that to be a fascinating topic. And the next comment is just simply, the next question is listening to our intuition and acting on it. And that kind of just is a little, little, uh, little side shoot off the topic that we were just speaking about because, you know, our intuition is really the thing that is telling us what is truth and what is not. And when we listen to our intuition and we allow our intuition to guide the way and to guide our lives, everything in life is amazing. Everything in life just flows naturally. You know, that's when we're really living from the heart and we're not living anymore from the mind. So when we allow our intuition to guide us, that's allowing our heart to guide us throughout life. And when we are making decisions from that place, that place of intuition or that place of our heart, most things tend to just be very smooth and we allow just the universe and God to guide us throughout life. If we're ever making decisions from the mind, that is the place where the ego is stored. That is the place where the you know, toxic masculinity or toxic femininity is stored. That's where we could really find ourselves getting into trouble is when we allow our minds to dictate our life as opposed to our heart and our intuition. So it's really important that we're listening to our intuition and allowing that intuition to guide us throughout life. And if our intuition tells us something, but our mind tells us another thing, listen to the intuition. Don't listen to the mind because the mind is crazy. You know, the mind is filled with ego. The mind is filled with the past and the future. It's like, that's where all that crap lives. And if you allow that 
to dictate your life, you're going to find yourself very, very, very lost. And that's the thing that, you know, causes most issues in society is our society is built from the mind. It's built from this hyper-materialistic, hyper-consumeristic, you know, groupthink mind. And if you challenge it or if you allow your intuition to guide you, it's like it's a very different world to live in. But it's the world that's being created right now. It's the awakening that's happening on the planet is less and less people are allowing their minds to guide them and they're allowing their heart to guide them. And so the heart is what is truth. The body is what is truth. The mind is this crazy thing that we shouldn't allow to dictate how we are living our lives. But when we tune into the body and we, the decision comes up and, and we just go, you know, I just, I'm not feeling that. I just don't want to go. You know, someone invites us to an event and, and we go, you know, my mind says I want to go because I can justify all these different reasons why I should go to this event. But my body and my heart is like, yeah, it's not in resonance. Listen to that. Allow that to guide you, you know. You're about to leave dinner and you see the desserts and your mind says, oh, I really want a dessert. But your body says, you're so full, please don't get a dessert. Listen to the body. And when you start to do that, it, you know, you get better and better practice at doing that. You get better and better at allowing your intuition to, to guide you. And it's your intuition that is like a muscle, you know, and you have to practice using that muscle if you want it to get good. And the more that we practice living from our intuition and allowing our intuition in our heart and our bodies to guide us, the stronger that muscle becomes and the easier it is that you are able to tap into your intuition and allow that to, you know, guide you throughout life and make de decisions for you throughout life. Anytime that I look back on my past and I see decisions made from the heart and from my intuition, I see peace, I see bliss, I see, I see no emotional charge. When I look back into my past and I see decisions based in the mind, I see chaos, I see like confusion, I see all sorts of crap that I, you know, just, isn't helpful and so it's just another one of those you know realizations that the more that we allow our hearts to guide us and our intuition to guide us the easier life becomes and the more that we allow our minds to guide us the harder life becomes and it really is true the next question is addiction to suffering we seem to get caught in this loop of fixing ourselves but what if we just love feeling bad hmm yeah, addiction to suffering is a big one. And it's a big one because it's a big one because we all have a self-saboteur within. We all have a a lower self within that is trying to drag us down. You know, we all have this war within us of the dark and the light. And there's the light which says, you know, work out, eat healthy do the work that you need to do, be on mission, be on point, show up. And then we have the lower self that says, ah, no, fuck it. Like kick back, relax, eat a pizza, watch a movie. And sometimes that's fine to do, obviously. But if it's doing that over and over and over again, you're just sabotaging your life. And I think what's really important here is to realize that, that we only have this one life. You know, obviously we're gonna get reincarnated and experience the next life whenever that time comes, but we only have this one life that we are living and once it's over, it's over. And so when you think about the small amount of time that you have left in this life, let's say you're 30, you have two thirds of your life left, maximum. You've already taken one third of your life. You have two thirds left. And in you know, 15 years time, you're gonna have half of it left. So it's like making sure that we are not allowing that self-saboteur to guide us and to dictate our every everyday lives because it's very easy it's like there's the there's the angel on our shoulder and the devil on our shoulder and if we listen to the devil constantly self-sabotage us and get us into all sorts of trouble we're going to find ourselves very lost very confused and in a, in a really bad state in life so any sort of addiction to suffering is the self-saboteur inside that is addicted to sabotaging our lives it's addicted to sabotaging what we've he been, come here to do on this planet. So any sort of addiction to suffering is just the fear of manifesting the brightest and best future we could possibly imagine.
Next question. When people meet me initially, they love me, but I'm not able to live up to their expectations. Being neurodivergent, I'm very often misunderstood. So they react in many different ways. From thinking I'm stuck up because I don't read social cues very well and will literally walk away from people talking negatively, to losing friends because I can't just change my schedule last minute. It seems like people often assume we all think and process the same. How can we educate ourselves how can we educate others on our uniqueness without targeting ourselves or sounding like a victim? Well, I think the key there is just realizing how unique we all truly are and not make ourselves wrong for the ways in which that we are. You know, there are certain ways that we naturally are, like being introverted or being extroverted. And the more that we can just accept that within, the, the more peaceful we become. And so if you're having trouble with keeping relationships and and withholding relationships first you know potentially ask yourself or is the reason why you're having trouble you know with relationships is that a self-saboteur is that someone who's trying to sabotage the relationships and trying to trying to not have people in your life is it a running away pattern is it is it something that you're not facing or is it actually real is it an actual just thing that you don't have the ability to, to, you know, hold on with relationships or, or, you know, receive certain social cues that you feel like most people have. So just a question there, consider that it might be a self-saboteur, but maybe not. Maybe it's just the, uh, you know, your authentic truth. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I guess, you said, how can we educate others on our uniqueness without targeting ourselves or sounding like a victim? I think the key is just communication. You know, if, if you meet someone and you have an amazing first experience and then somehow you fall out of touch with them or they fall out of touch with you and, and you're not, you know, nurturing that type of relationship, it's just important to communicate to them that your lack of responding or your not, uh, you know, getting back in touch with them doesn't mean that you don't still love them and really honor them and cherish them. It just means that you're busy doing something else. So just remembering that, that, you know, you not responding to people or you losing touch with people is not a bad thing. It just is what it is. And, you know, educating them and communicating to them that it doesn't mean that you don't like them and it doesn't mean that you don't want to hang out with them. It's just the way that things are. So I think the key there is just communication. The next question, how to navigate the pattern of wobbling between going too deep, too fast into growth and in turn kind of reverting back to the starting point and feeling stuck there. In other words, how do we become unstuck without going too quickly and causing a trauma response? Well, going too quickly and then causing a trauma response could be that or in this period of growth in this period of actualization of raising our levels of consciousness, it could seem like such an insurmountable feat, like climbing Mount Everest that you just say, screw it. I'm not even going to try. So yeah, you said reverting back to the starting point and feeling stuck there. What that feels like is feeling like there's so much road ahead. There's such a big mission to do, and there's so much to this life that you want to do. And yet it becomes so insurmountable that you just go back to the starting point and then get stuck there. Feels like just more of a, um, a hmm. it feels like it's more of a resistance to actually just stepping one step, one step in front of the other. You know, if there's so much energy and going a certain direction and then you just find yourself back at the starting point, that's most likely overwhelm, realizing that there's such a huge feat in front of you that it, it's, uh, it's something that almost seems insurmountable and so you just give up. And so the way in which that we do anything, the way in which that we actualize big missions and, and you know, make, make things happen is just one step at a time. You know, when I look into my future and when I look at what I want to do on this planet, it's a huge mission, right? It's big, it's ginormous. And yet the only way that I can manifest that and bring that forth is just one step at a time. Every day, 
going one step closer to those goals and to that future. And one day, through many, many days and weeks and months and years of that, that will happen. But if you don't start now, today, and if you just say, screw it, I'm not gonna do it, then in five years time, you're gonna be right where you are now. And it's gonna feel that much worse to be there because if you feel stuck or lost or, you know, like you don't know why you're here, or what you're up to, and you feel like the life that you're living is going in a certain direction that you are not excited about, well, if you continue doing that in two to five years time, that feeling that you're feeling right now, that sense of, you know, emptiness is only gonna intensify. It's only gonna exponentially intensify. So make sure that just every single day you're going one step in front of the other, and just by step by step, you eventually climb the mountain and you get to the top of Mount Everest. But if you keep going back to the starting point and you never try, you're never gonna get to the top, so. Next question, I wanna know how we can exit this loop of money struggle versus money flow and belief to really be able to create financial stability through doing what we love rather than having to compromise, and I mean in any way. If it's not, if it's possible to not compromise. I wanna know how we can exit this level of money struggle versus money flow. Yeah, well, what I've discovered in, in money struggle versus money flow is that there are unconscious beliefs that we are believing in that are causing money struggle or money flow. And oftentimes, it's, let's say you're struggling with, with, um, you know, with receiving money or abundance in general, there are most likely subconscious belief systems and patterns and programs that are within your subconscious mind that are repelling money from you in your life. That are, for me, for example, I literally just found one of these the other day. Like I was just, you know, realizing that I had this subconscious belief that was actually impacting the amount of money that was coming into my life. And it's only until that we can discover what those unconscious and subconscious beliefs are and get rid of them, will we actually start to see changes. Because you can try to think differently, but if you still believe in these subconscious beliefs, like I'm not worthy or, you know, it never works out for me or these just beliefs that aren't real, we are telling the universe that we're not ready for financial abundance. So it's really important that we discover what these subconscious beliefs are and transcend them and to detox them and to let go of them. And it's only when we do that will we start to see significant changes in our financial situation. And yes, it is, it is, it is possible to not compromise, you know, and the universe is going to test you when you start undoing these subconscious beliefs. The universe is going to try to test you to see if you really believe that anymore or if you don't. And it's really important that we don't compromise with these tests, you know, because we're going to get tested by God. We're going to get tested by the universe. And really important that we, uh, we don't give in to the temptations to solidify the old belief systems, if that makes sense. So we got one more question. I heard you say that you prioritize those you have already received. I find it difficult to experience. I heard you say that you prioritize those you have already received. I find it difficult to experience my emotions without creating stories or acting them out. And I'm interested to know if you have any experience overcoming this method of resistance, how to sit with, feel, and let emotions pass through without identification. I heard you say that you prioritize those you have already received. I find it difficult to experience my emotions without creating stories or acting them out. And I'm interested to know if you have any experience overcoming this method of resistance, how to sit with, feel, and let emotions pass through without identification. Well, I think the key here is to realize that emotions are gonna come and go and thoughts are gonna come and go like the clouds in the sky. And if we can try to, if we can just know that they are not here to stay, but they are just passing through the sky, it's really important that we don't latch ourselves onto those thoughts or latch ourselves onto those emotions. And especially it's really important that we don't create stories about those emotions or about those thoughts because it's very easy to allow a thought like I'm unworthy or a subconscious belief like I'm unworthy to solidify 
and the way in which that it solidifies is we see it pass a lot, you know, across our, our consciousness and we say, I'm going to believe in that. And that is extremely detrimental to our growth. That's extremely detrimental to our psyche. When we see a thought pass through our mind or a emotion pass through our mind and we latch onto it and we agree to it and we solidify it. It's like a contract that we make with the universe. And sometimes that's a good thing, but other times it's a terrible thing because it can create these things like I'm ugly or I'm unworthy or I'm unlovable and no one will ever love me. All of these subconscious beliefs, all these emotions that we create stories about. So I'm unlovable and, you know, because my father didn't do this and my mother did do this. And then we have our minds just going down these rabbit holes, finding this one particular emotion that passes through and then going down these rabbit holes to create stories as to justify why these emotions are true and why these decisions and belief systems are true. And that's very easy to do, but it's very important that we don't do that. And we take the time to detoxify those belief systems and those emotions from our bodies, realizing that these emotions and these thought patterns are just clouds passing through the sky. And it's important that we don't give them resistance and we just allow them to be there. And we make sure that we're not believing in them. We can acknowledge their presence, but we don't need to believe in them and go down the rabbit hole and create a story as to why this is true and how this is not true and everything. It's like, no, that's not a thought that I wanna believe in. That's an emotion that's passing through, but that's not who I am and that's not what I believe. And so I'm just gonna allow that to be there and just allow it to go through as opposed to giving it resistance. and. The more that we do that, the more that we practice that, the better we become at allowing those thoughts and emotions to just pass through us without us needing to latch onto them and make decisions about them and make stories about them because the more that we can practice that, the more free we become. So that's the end of the video for the day. Uh, those are all the questions that you guys sent me. I really appreciate you guys sending me so many questions. If you have any comments or questions below, feel free to leave them in the comment section down below and I will answer them to the best of my abilities. And I will see you guys next week on uh, Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Talk to you then.